Hello, and thank you for choosing to listen to this episode of the 101 Ways to Improve Your Life Now podcast, which is an accompaniment to the book of the same name, which you can find on Amazon. In this podcast, I, James Clark, the author and host, will be chatting to friends about each of the 101 Ways to Improve Your Life Now, adding a little extra detail, some material that didn't make it into the book, or talking anecdotally about our own experiences. I really hope you enjoy this episode. My guest today is very special to me. It's my father, Greg Clark. Greg worked as an accountant for most of his life in the city and later in Birmingham. He's always been a lifelong learner and encouraged and inspired me to look for marginal gains in self-improvement. In this episode, we'll be discussing Chapter 11, Speak in Public. Hello and welcome to this, the 11th episode of the 101 Ways to Improve Your Life Now podcast. Today we will be talking about public speaking, but first I need to introduce you to my guest, Greg Clark, who's also my father. Greg, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been so excited by the previous episodes that I feel it's with great pride I can I can now kind of comment on this one. And what, what pleases me most is that you were the first person to get back to me and tell me that you had read the entire book cover to cover. So you're something of an expert. Well, the book is not something which you need to spend a great deal of time working through. It is actually quite brief, but it has lots of ideas in it, some of which I'm sure your listeners will already have tried, but some of which they will think, that's strange, I'm going to give that a try. And it is surprising if you do that. All of a sudden, you find there's something new that you can do and get pleasure from. Great stuff. I'm really pleased. Well, speaking about what you do and get pleasure from, uh, we're recording this on a Saturday. We've had a bit of a break from the previous podcast um, because various bits and bobs getting in the way in in my life, you know, being being quite busy. Um, But what have you been up to this weekend? Having a good weekend? So, yes, having a very good weekend. We have um, yourself here, obviously, visiting this weekend. And we also have um, one of my um, wife's cousins, um, and we've been um, watching the rugby. Yes, we have. An excellent result for England. Indeed, indeed. Very excited about that, but also looking forward to Wales. Being in Wales, obviously we need to support the home team here, and therefore I will be later on donning my Wales jersey and cheering them on. Well, speaking of the rugby, Greg, we had an example of speaking in public yesterday, didn't we, at the end of the game when Owen Farrell uh, was interviewed. What did you think about Owen's uh, his kind of delivery style and his and his kind of uh, communication skills at the end of that match? It, quite interesting because he's clearly quite a well, he would appear to be quite an introverted individual, but clearly he's been given a little bit of training about what what to say and how to say things. Obviously, sportsmen are very careful about what they say, um, but equally, it was actually very interesting and engaging what he had to say. You felt you were getting something straight from the horse's mouth. He'd just come off the field, and there he was, a bit banged up, but you know, doing his best to, to explain what had gone on. And they seem to be doing a kind of deliberate... That, that's a kind of deliberate technique, where they take the players and the coaches immediately before the game and immediately after the game. Why do you think they do that? Is that so that they can add value... To the, to the viewer and try and kind of tell them kind of almost like secrets or things that the pundits haven't really considered or, or do you think there's a different motive? I, I think that's what the commentators are trying to get out of them, a little bit of information. But actually when you watch 
both coaches and you watch players, you realise that actually they're being quite careful what they say. They don't want to give away things to other teams for future matches, um, but also they, they, they want to kind of hide away to a certain extent some of the mystique of how they play and the way they do things. So it's very interesting actually listening to them. If, if you know something about the game, you listen to them and you think, well, actually, that's quite a careful answer. Mm. They haven't been perhaps quite as full as they could have been. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so that's really interesting because you've kind of used the that that you're saying that people like Owen Farrell and Eddie Jones are using that opportunity for public speaking that they've almost been persuaded to do to actually cover information to hide things from the public on a public platform. So, you've got some experience of public speaking yourself. We we when you've been public speaking, have you been forced into it in that kind you know or sort of persuaded to do it and been shielding your thoughts or have you done it from a a kind of your own you know off your own back trying to communicate and trying to kind of add value to the audience and be open I think I think the more public speaking I've done the more willing I've been to do it and therefore the more willing I've been to be completely open and honest when people persuade you to try to do something you feel you do need to hide a little bit of yourself away somehow, mm. or certainly that's the way I felt. Whereas later on, when I got into the kind of the the, the buzz of actually doing it and and the and the satisfaction it gave me, I found actually being much more open and honest um, actually made the presentation better for me. I didn't feel in any of the environments that I was in, I have to say, which were business environments that I had things that I needed to hide away. I, I could actually share my ideas quite freely without fear. So, so going, going into your experience then a bit with public speaking, um, and, and I think most of the listeners by now have kind of got the impression that I've done a, a fair amount of, of public speaking. And obviously Stephen, who was my guest for the first few podcasts, he, he runs his own public speaking workshop and he's a very accomplished public speaker as well. But Greg, can you talk us through some of your public speaking experiences, perhaps the, your first memory of public speaking and then maybe how you kind of developed or what kind of path you went on? I probably can't remember the first time I did public speaking as a, as a kind of, as an activity. But um, unlike you, who had the opportunity at school to um, get involved in, in public speaking and had teachers encouraging you and developing your skills, I didn't have that. I didn't encounter public speaking really until I got um, into doing my job as an accountant initially. Um, and then um, I was sent on training courses. Mm. And, you know, that's great when you're sent on training courses because you can develop your skills in whatever ever area. Sometimes you can initiate that training and say, well, actually, I feel weak in this area, or you can find courses. If you're working for a good employer, often there's opportunities to do that. Equally, there are some employers who will actually recommend courses for individuals or maybe groups of people to go on. And I went on public speaking courses, on courses that covered communication, perhaps a bit more generally. And it was once I'd been on those courses that I then felt much more comfortable to develop my skills, to start using cue cards, to start engaging with the audience and looking at the audience rather than having a set of notes and focusing on the notes and wanting to read them one two three four five being a little bit more intuitive a little bit more um, natural in terms of communicating um, and when you start watching 
people who are good at communicating, you realise actually that's what they're doing. They're actually engaging with individual members of the audience. Um, and that kind of using your eyes becomes therefore much more important. And I found that certainly much more important. The opportunity and the confidence to be able to take questions. To be able to say to people, you know, what do you think? What's your experience? And get a little bit of feedback from the audience. That always helps because it, it almost builds their confidence up that you know the topic you're talking about. You're willing to listen to them. Wow, nailed it. I mean, that, I mean, that, there's there's an answer right there. So when you went on your, I mean, you know, obviously you've, you've you know, had a career spanning what, sort of 30, 40 years. I realise this kind of sounds, this might sound like a difficult question to answer, but when you first started undertaking this kind of more, let's call it like a public-facing kind of role, having the opportunity to speak in public and, and, and or taking the opportunity to speak in public, did you think to yourself, I haven't done this before, I need some coaching or I need to go on a course for this, or did you think to yourself, how hard can it be? I'm going to get up there and do it. And then you thought, oh, perhaps I should have some, you know, if I'm going to keep doing this, I should have some some lessons. Or did you have, you know, was, were you sent on a course and you thought, oh, I'll go on this course because I go on whatever courses that are available. And you kind of developed from there. What, what was your I, initial point? I think the answer is it was more the latter. I wasn't put in a position of having to make presentations or I didn't feel I was before I felt I had the skills. Um, again, I, I work for some very good forward-thinking companies, and I, I think when they saw the need to develop people, they tended to develop them in advance of exposing them to something which perhaps they didn't have the skills to do. So I was, or I went on courses about communication and about public speaking before certainly I had exposure maybe to people outside of my department you know I mean you know you can get up and speak to a group of or a team of people that you work with but it becomes a little bit more challenging when you've got to speak to strangers and I had my training before I did that so I had picked up some skills before I did that but you learn all the time you do you, you learn from other speakers at conferences the way they do things um, so it's not you know get trained and off you go you, you keep learning, so as I say, it's not a it's not a kind of one off process. And you you talk then about how um, so you you in your mind saw a difference between speaking to colleagues in your department or people that were working for you or working with you, and people in a wider kind of team. But one of the points that I've kind of got written down here in my notes is about the fear of public speaking, and I'm on some different you know Facebook forums, and and you know I kind of sort of. You know, listen to people and, and I've been approached by other people who are looking for coaching and mentoring and sometimes public speaking is a huge fear for people if I think back to the last time I spoke in public which was on Thursday evening uh, to an audience of approximately 50 people none of whom I knew on a panel with approximately five six people who many of whom I knew and who I wanted to impress and wanted to look good in front of you know that there were some interesting pressures there but but to move away from me the first question that someone came up and spoke to me about after the the, the speech I delivered a six and a half minute mm. brief on myself and on my journey about you know through through a different kind of part of my career and that that went very well uh, uh, you know as far as I could tell um, and I got good feedback so that was important 
But the first question that someone came up to me afterwards and said was, well, you know, I'm worried about my public speaking. And I said, well, you've, you know, you've asked a question in a public audience of 50 people, none of whom you know, yeah. you, you, how, how much more public, you know, you're on your way, that's your first step. But this kind of fear element, what do you, what do you think? Well, I, I, I think the nerves and the fear never goes away. I think, I think that's good. I mean, you know, I've taken dozens and dozens of exams. Yep. You know, I, I got physically sick before exams. You know, I was good at taking exams, but it didn't stop me getting nervous. Public speaking is the same. You don't lose the nerves. You don't lose the adrenaline rush when you come to do it, or even the fear of doing it. But, but gradually over time, you build up confidence that you know that despite those nerves, you will get to the end of it. And I think you're right. With, you know, the, the chap who came up to you and said, you know, or who asked a question, mm. Mm. you know, just actually asking that question, you know, again, a lot of people don't feel confident mm. asking questions in a public situation like that. You, you need to feel confident that you can do that, you know, that you are intelligent, that you have got genuinely a question that you want to ask. Don't speak if you haven't got a reason to speak, but if you've got a question, don't be afraid to ask the question. You know, the, the person you're asking the question of probably wants some prompts so that they can come back to you and discuss that or maybe move on to something else. So, you know, have the confidence, you know. That, that, that's absolutely right. And one of the ways that I try to maintain confidence or that I generate it from myself is that I always try, when I'm public speaking, to speak about subjects I know about. Because I think it's yes. very, it can be very, very daunting and very, very difficult if you're given a topic or, or you're, you're, you know, you're filling in for someone who's ill and you've got the PowerPoint slides and you're presenting something that you don't really know to 20 people. Well, you, you probably should feel fear because you don't really know what you're talking about and you're kind of adding a bit less value to the, the audience. And this is where I think that the kind of the crux comes. The confidence in yourself to be quote unquote good at public speaking really comes from being confident that you're giving value to the audience so if you're yes. I mean you might be an expert on tiddlywinks but if you're speaking to an audience who want to hear about rugby yes you actually it doesn't really matter how good a public speaker you are you won't engage them you yes. won't be able to buzz off them likewise if, if you've got an audience who are desperate to hear about tiddlywinks and you can, you've got a presentation about tiddlywinks but you know nothing about tiddlywinks, again, they're going to struggle to... It's almost about being believable and, 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 and giving value to those people, I think, is such an important element. I, I think, like all things, you know, if you're, you're effectively trying to sell something when you're passing over your ideas, but you have got to think about your audience what is it your audience are looking to get out of it? And then you need to decide, right, well, on that basis, what is it I want to present to them? Yes, you have to have confidence in the material or your ideas about a subject, but you, you must think about your audience. Who are they? What is their level of knowledge? So where, where should I pitch this presentation? What ideas should I bring to it? Should they just be my personal ideas or should I do a little bit of research and try and draw in other people's ideas because then when I present those that looks like I've actually done a little bit of thought about it and they will be impressed by it maybe they'll be impressed by it but also you should get some satisfaction out of actually putting your message over to them but yes you're putting your message over to them but it's a message you think they want to hear otherwise 
to a certain extent, you're wasting your time. And theirs, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we talked a little bit about how the, the sort of, the kind of, the essence of public speaking. Now let's talk a little bit about the mechanics. What, um, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier crib cards. Yes. Can you talk me through kind of what, you know, what you think you should have or how you've prepared for public speaking before? So, so I think what you need to do, certainly, and we come back to this kind of thinking about what the audience wants to listen to, you need to have in your mind some key points that you want to try to get over. Now, you can write those down on, you know, little small crib cards. You can buy those in Smith's, you know. It means that you can flick through them quite quickly. You, you've got a, a, a kind of prompt for you about a particular topic that you want to speak about but it's not forcing you to say those words. So you've got a prompt and you can then look at your audience and talk about that particular prompt or that idea and put it into whatever words you, you like. And don't worry if you go, um, er, that's part of normal conversation. It doesn't really matter if you stutter a bit or you go backwards and forwards, but you know, keep those, those cue cards so that you make sure you cover all of the points that you want to cover. Otherwise, you get to the end of the presentation and somebody asks you a question and you think, oh, for goodness sake, I've forgotten that. And that was an important part of what I needed to say. Absolutely. So, so cue cards can help. As I say, I, I recently went to the funeral of a friend. I knew I couldn't use cue cards. I knew I would not be able to speak about that person and put over my thoughts mm. without actually getting quite emotional. And therefore, I thought... I'll write it all out in full, I will read it out. It won't necessarily come over to the audience quite as I would want it to, but on the other hand, I'll cover all of my points. Now that's slightly different from normal public speaking. You know, if you're going to get emotional about a subject, sometimes it actually helps to get emotional about a subject and excited about the subject, you know. Um, but, you know, certainly in a kind of funeral type situation, maybe better just to kind of write it out and then, and then read it. Yeah. Um, so there are different things that you can use. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you kind of raised that because I, the way I kind of think of it is, if you're talking about, as you said, something emotive, or you're talking for a long time, or, or you're talking, or you have very particular points to make and your audience is fairly knowledgeable already, then I often think having a fully scripted piece is, is worth doing. And having, you know, A4 pages, making line breaks between the, the, the sentences so that you can, yeah. you can clearly see where you're next going, you know, read it through a few times and then you can present with plenty of pauses, making that eye contact as you look up from, let's say, a lectern. Yeah. Then you've got that kind of, I think you have that kind of structure in your mind or, or indeed written down, you know, the in, introduction and conclusion normally yeah. top and tail and then you've got your, your paragraphs, let's say, you want to cover and you just have headers for those so you remember what to cover. Yeah. And then I think you also got this, you know, shooting from the hip. And yeah. if you look at some of the um, the TED talks that are on YouTube, obviously they're delivered to huge audiences. And some some of those, you know, people deliver fifteen minutes of speech yeah. with no notes, and it's very very considered. But that I think you have to have a lot of practice, practice for, for like, yeah. or, mm -hmm. or to have delivered that speech before a number of times. I mean, I've been listening to the Jordan Peterson um, podcasts, uh, and he. He he obviously speaks with potentially with notes, but with but from the hip. There is no kind of structure. However, what's interesting is if you listen to six in a row, you find that he he has almost by rote learnt whole paragraphs, which he gets into the swing of. And sometimes he veers away on these amazing tangents, and you find out all this interesting stuff. But then he kind of brings it back with almost the, that kind of rote learnt 
um, you know, kind of not sort of slogans, but ideas that yeah. he's kind of he's yeah. he has a way of expressing and he wants to. So perhaps the more comfortable and the more capable and the more practiced you are, the fewer notes and the fewer you know I, prompts I, you need. I think that might well be the case. Um, what, one of the things we haven't yet talked about in terms of in terms of techniques. Um, is um, death by PowerPoint. Whoa, I mean, the horrible. use of. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, you know. I used to do presentations before we had, you know, um, computers. And we used to use acetates and you know write things up on the acetates. Um, I, I have used PowerPoint and I probably have killed a few people off. Um, <laughs> but 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 as I say, you know, sometimes that's useful if you want to maybe show diagrams or you want to show graphs of things you know then that can be used but I think the concept of actually putting up a list of bullet points on an on a kind of a presentation or, or on, a, on a kind of visual um, and then re- what do you do read them out do you try and add to them I mean it all becomes a bit of a mess and <laughs> might be best put to one side if, if you can or I mean if that's the thing that makes you feel confident having that support well then fine use it and again in a business context that that is not unusual to have you know um, some sort of laptop or projector or something and use that as a, as a mechanism but it can be a bit dull for the absolutely Ab- great point um we're sort of getting towards the end of this episode greg i see you've got a page of notes have you covered most of the things that you wanted to to cover or is there, there uh, any particular experiences you'd like to a particular experience that I would like to mention is um, the, the best and most inspiring speaker um, that I've been to see is um, a gentleman called Stephen Covey. Um, unfortunately, um, he sadly passed away. He was involved in an accident. He was quite elderly at the time. Um, still available on YouTube. If so, if people want to go and listen to a, a public speaker, he, he is available to listen to. He is American, so he does have a certain style, as Americans do. Um, but his best-known book is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, he ran seminars and courses and actually spoke at them, presented his ideas and practices. Um, and those were mainly to business leaders. But the seven habits of highly effective people could apply to, to any, anybody. It doesn't, it's not necessarily business leaders. Um, and I think, again, for me, and I went along to listen to him, and I did some other training courses of his or associated with his, his leadership um, education system that he had, um, I, I thought they were fantastic. But, you know, there are lots of other, other writers. I just thought he was a very good speaker. Brilliant. Well, that is really, really useful. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I mean, this public speaking as a topic, we could just go on and on. And I mean, frequently, Stephen, who I mentioned, he does go on and on <laughs> about it. Um, and, uh, and that's great. Um, it's a really, really good way of improving your kind of self-confidence, learning a skill, but learning a skill that that's application is almost endless. Because, of course, if you learn a skill like playing the piano you can play the piano. But if you learn a skill like public speaking, you can explain to other people how to play the piano. And you, you, the value that you're adding by being able to communicate effectively some, something that you know or that you understand to a group of other people who perhaps don't understand it, or indeed who do understand it and who want to broaden their knowledge or argue and discuss and, and learn and debate, you know, that has vast ramifications you know and you, and the, the kind of yeah that, that value you can add to society by speaking in public is huge not just for you and building your own confidence and 
And, you know, I mean, it feels good, doesn't it? When you, it does. You get a buzz. I, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, we talked earlier about nerves. But the most important thing is that when you finished, you know, I, I think it's very unusual. If you don't get a buzz, if you don't feel some real sense of achievement, I, that's certainly for me. I, I don't need people necessarily to come up and say to me, that was really interesting or I, I like the way you put that over. Actually, I feel I've done a good job. I feel I've done my best. I've, I've presented my ideas. I, you know, obviously, if you get negative feedback, well, then you've got to kind of think maybe that's a learning opportunity. But generally speaking, you either get positive feedback or actually you just feel satisfied yourself. And so, that's it. That's great. And hey, that's a good way to improve your life. Indeed. Um, we'll just end on one quick one. Three top tips for anyone who's, you know, a budding public speaker. What do you think comes across the best way? Look at your audience. Make sure that you have your eyes on your audience. Not necessarily all the time. You may need to refer to your, your cue cards or, you know, the points that you, you want to raise. But make absolutely certain that you look at your audience. Um, don't be worried that you're nervous beforehand. Try and use that nervous energy to improve your presentation and watch other people presenting. You know, try and learn from other people. Try and try and appreciate when you're sat in the audience who has a good presentation style. Not necessarily what they're saying, but the way that they put it over and try and learn some of those techniques so you can apply those in the future. Brilliant. That, that, how succinct. That's perfect. Thank you very much, Greg. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I believe you're going to join me for the next one as well. I'm hoping to, but I'm not sure whether we have time to do it today, but we shall see. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll see you on the next one. Otherwise, perhaps one in the future. Indeed. Thank Thanks you very so much. much for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of 101 Ways to Improve Your Life Now podcast. I've been the guest, Greg Clark. I retired five years ago from legal and general insurance, and I continue to experiment with lifelong learning and self-improvement techniques. I hope you enjoyed the discussion today and look forward to the next episode.